get ready to talk insecurity because you're listening to This Insecure Life. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back. This is Kathleen and you're listening to This Insecure Life. Ooh, baby. Um, as you know, I'm not a research podcast. one episode type podcast, um, but I am a podcast that tries to be real and I do this for myself um, to educate myself, to find fulfillment, um, to learn, to grow, to connect, and um, what does that mean for you today? I'm going to do, I think, a series, and I say that um, because it's a big topic on food insecurities. Um, Please note that this is a global issue, but I'm going to focus in Canada and then um, in regions uh, likely BC, um, potentially focusing on some intersections because this is a huge topic. It is not one that I have any sort of formal education on. Um, I have personal experience. I have um, 15 years of working with various organizations that have been trying to combat um, food insecurity in some way. And I work closely in the food industry um, where there's a lot of discussions about uh, the cost of running a business and um, how that translates into pricing, which impacts everything. Um, I'm going to get things wrong, I'm sure, as we go along. If you listen and you can point me in a direction that's better, I will absolutely correct. Um, If I find something later as I go through the series um, that is either a better study or a better statistic or a better article, um, if it is something that can add to or changes something I've said previously, I am open to it, Um, and like I said, this is a big topic because food insecurity, I think, is one of those topics that when when you dive into it, when you have people who have been researchers for years, who this is their formal education, this is their life work, it is... a lot um, and it impacts everyone in a lot of different ways um, from health reasons to mobility um, race gender age all these things are factors um, 
and that doesn't include everything. But um, let's let's dive in. All right. So we all know that I love my definitions, and we're gonna dive in with that. Um, food insecurity is a noun. Uh, the state of being without reliable access to a sufficient quantity of affordable, nutritious food. Um, this is just the de definition that comes up when you put in to Google, for me anyways, we all know Google is algorithmic, um, but it brings up the dictionary uh, definitions from Oxford languages. And underneath that, the sentence used is more than 800 people live every day with hunger or food insecurity as their constant companion. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. And um, it, it's unnecessary. <laughs> if I'm honest, there is enough food in this world for everyone. But we have a lot of food waste, which will be an entirely separate episode that I talk about. Um, but it's absolutely true. So going a little bit further, um, if we talk about sort of the, the spectrum, we talk a lot about spectrums in 2022, which is okay. Um, but sort of how would we define, define these pieces of food insecurity, right? So someone might have no food available to them and others might just be skipping meals um, none of which is good <laughs> but it's good to sort of know where along the spectrum we're talking about um, and I haven't found any really great breakdowns for those different categories um, but like mild food insecurity which is worrying about the ability to obtain food moderate food insecurity, compromising quality and variety, reducing quantities and skipping meals, and then you have severe food insecurity, which is actually experiencing hunger. And like I said, um, there are a whole host of factors that cause food insecurity or a lack of food security. Um, which are wrapped up in political, economic, social, and environmental sort of causes and intersections. I want to jump in here and say that this is a topic that is um, pretty important for me on a whole. Um, I grew up in a very privileged environment in the sense of never having experienced food insecurity as as a child um, and that's not the case uh, I think it's one in six children in Canada go hungry um, which is so devastating but as an adult um, it is something I, I worry about and I've worried about it in a whole host of contexts so for me, it is um, obviously economic. There is a cost of food, even though it's something you need to survive, so in my opinion. Um, 
we should not be worried about this at all. Basic rights should be provided to us. And when I factor in um, my eating disorder and my recovery and the orthorexia I um, battle daily, the sort of organic versus non-organic versus processed versus non-processed foods is just gut-wrenching um, in a different way because those things matter and shelf-stable foods aren't evil um, and convenience foods feed people every day that are working to the bone um, just to survive. So there's this concept of food insecurity, food security, and I did say in the definition that I read out um, nutritious food. And so coming from a recovery perspective, for me, because there are a lot of people who suffer with eating disorders and it potentially started when they had food insecurity or it's a good reason for them to, you know, what are they going to choose to spend their money on this month? Um, well, if they don't, they don't have to pay for food, then that saves them money, right? Um, people are complicated. These issues are complicated. There's a lot going on. And um, it is something I think about. And I look at pricing and I put things back because it just doesn't make sense. Um or I've been scared to spend money because I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get through that item and then have food waste. And so there's just a lot of anxiety in general when it comes to that. Whew. So for me, Cliff's notes, <laughs> too long, don't read version. Um, a good first step for getting through food insecurity is making sure that Everyone has access to food, three meals a day, two snacks a day, um, and they are not hungry. And if that means it is cheap ramen, great, because you can add on nutritional, nutritionally dense rather items to make those cheaper things. Uh, holistically better for you overall. Um, this also ignores the <laughs> factors that, you know, we come to food for a whole bunch of different reasons. Um, having a lack of food might mean someone is unable to actually participate in their own culture. Having a lack of food means that, you know, you're missing out on some of the really simple pleasures in life. It can mean not having things like a birthday cake, which in the grand scheme of things maybe isn't something to be sad about, um, but it's important and it's okay to be sad if, if you've missed out on those types of opportunities because of food insecurity. It is valid to crave connection with and through food. Okay, the other thing I want to address is that obviously when we're working with stats and studies, um, sometimes things aren't as up-to-date as they will be, and so there's these shifting factors. 
uh, like COVID, um, like inflation. So part of what we'll talk about in this series is the rising cost of food. Um, but we're going to start at sort of the blanket. Ooh, where is foods insecurity definition? All of the good stuff we're getting into in this and then build on it in this series. So um, proof, the food insecurity policy research um, from the University of Toronto uh, has a really great article and webpage that I'm going to link in the show notes. Um, and they define uh, food insecurity as the inadequate or in- insecure access to food due to financial constraints. Um, the nice thing about this definition is it goes on to say that it's a serious problem in Canada that negatively impacts physical, mental, and social health, and also costs the healthcare system a ton of money. Okay, so just how many people are <laughs> food insecure in Canada? So it's a 2017 to 2018 study, so we're about five years out from the study now. Um, but one in eight households in Canada was food insecure during that time, which is about 4.4 million people. Um, and in that 4.4 million people is 1.2 million children. It's not, you know, probably a good comparison, but because it's on our minds in the last couple of years specifically, in Canada, tracked numbers, <laughs> There have been 3.24 million cases of COVID. So more cases of uh, food insecurity and household food insecurity than COVID cases. And again, reiterating, these are two very different things. Um, There is crossover. And maybe I'll get into that. Um, Again, a lot of overlapping issues uh, when it comes to anything that's related to health especially. So based on that same Skatkin um, Canadian Community Health Survey study that Proof talks about and on the webpage I'll link there's a really great visual um, but in my home uh, province of Ontario that's where I was born and raised Um, food insecurity there is 13.3%, and in BC, where I currently am, uh, food insecurity is 12.4%, which I'm shocked that those aren't higher, if I'm honest. Then we start getting into some of the more niche, um, focused statistics, and so... One in six Canadian children under the age of 18 is affected by food insecurity. But it should be noted that households with children that have single female parents are especially vulnerable. Meaning that one third of these households where it's a single parent, single mom, those households are food insecure. And please recognize that this is not in any way, shape, or form the fault of the mother. It is not the mother's fault that these households are food insecure. Single mothers 
bust their asses in every way they can to take care of their children the best they can. Um, But it is something we need to note. Continuing to sort of tease out what's going on, you can break it down into um, race background. So in Canada, um, Indigenous and Black households are the most prominent from the statistics. They could have changed um, over 28% both. So together, more than 50% of food insecure households are in Black and Indigenous homes in Canada. Along with food insecurity, we all know in Canada that the housing crisis is massive. Um, So one in four households that rent is food insecure, um, (laughs) while 7.2% of owners are, so homeowners. Um, And this is, as proof points out, because owning a home provides protection um, since they have a considerable asset um, that they can leverage if there is job loss, illness, um, other reasons for loss of income. But we all know that not everyone's situation is the same. So even if you have a homeowner, you have a home ownership certificate. Yes, I just said it like that. If you own a home, <laughs> um, you can still be food insecure. And that's just a fact. You might have chosen to keep your home because that felt more stable um, than going back to renting. I don't no idea. There's myriad of situations out there. So, so a lot of people might be wondering... Uh, maybe not, um, why this is and what is the big crux of sort of food insecurity and why don't people who are food insecure just get a job or work more? Um, but most food insecure households are, are in the workforce. They do work. Um, having a job is not, is not necessarily enough. There are low-wage jobs, there's vicarious jobs, there are um, contract jobs. (laughs) There's a lot of reasons why someone might be food insecure. Um, Really great breakdown on the main source of income from Proof, uh, where sort of the main source of income is for those who are food insecure, and the more... 65% of it does come from wages, Um, seniors, income, employment insurance, social assistance, and then other, which could just be GoFundMe or friends and family. Um, You know, there's lots of reasons. And I'm not going to dive too much into it here, but uh, food insecurity does have a large toll sort of sort of, but directly into our healthcare system and our communities as it is. Again, with COVID, we know that our healthcare systems are way more precarious 
than I think anyone ever realized. Um, and while Canada does have a good, <laughs> quotations here, good healthcare system um, that is fairly accessible to everyone who lives in uh, so-called Canada, there are a lot of limitations to it. And these limitations increase when you have additional barriers. And food insecurity would be one of them, especially um, if you were a single mom working two to three jobs. Where are you getting the time to actually go to a doctor or a hospital? Um, you know, and there's conditions uh, like diabetes, shocker, um, heart disease, arthritis, back problems that can all contribute to strain, quote unquote strain, um, on the healthcare system because people aren't getting the nutrients they need. You know, we're going to have more broken bones if people aren't getting the right amount of calcium. It's, it's just going to happen. Um, and that doesn't include even the mental health outcomes of not feeding and fueling our bodies in this world. So it is, it is a huge issue in Canada, in BC, worldwide, that needs to be addressed. And it's only going to get worse. Um, as I alluded to, food costs in Canada, boop, going to go up. They're rising. There are so many articles um, and news stories <laughs> in December and January of this year. So December of 2021 and January of this year uh, discussing the rising costs of food. And I've seen it. Um, if you are on sort of most social media, there's been videos of people sort of showing this is what I just I just spent fifty dollars on, and it probably is enough for not a lot of food. Um, I don't want to give specific examples, and everyone's needs are different, and how how they purchase is different, but. Uh, It's, uh, the dollar is not being stretched as far when it comes to buying food as it, as it used to. Um, the nice thing is, this is just, I'm really thrilled with proof and the UFT and uh, how they've broken this down, but food insecurity isn't a personal problem. It isn't an individual problem not a problem with food skills or shopping behavior. It isn't that people um, aren't spending their money in the right places. It isn't that people don't know how to do these things um, or budget or meal plan. It, 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 that's, not, that's not the issue. Um, it's tightly and directly linked to income. Um, there are bunch of other factors that go into it but this is a issue that needs to be addressed through public policies and systemic changes I think 
that's sort of where I'll leave this this episode. So some of those sort of just stats thrown at you. I know I don't usually focus a lot on stats, but I think it's an important part of this issue, especially because um, I need to be doing some research along the way. But uh, let me know. Let me know how, how you feel when it comes to addressing these issues that people in your lives um i get a little bit of like a glow in my heart um when i see things in my neighborhood um i think i've talked about it before but like the buy nothing group in my neighborhood is fantastic and these exist worldwide uh, they if there's not one in your neighborhood you can start one up um, there's a whole community around it and you'll have help and support in doing that. Um, and, and I've seen amazing things come about of that to help with people who are struggling, maybe unexpectedly once in a while, right? Like most of us are going to have those times. Um, I've also seen some fantastic food pantries and community fridges and <laughs> the power of letting people be able to choose from those places themselves right um, there can be a lot of shame in life and there can especially be a lot of shame when it comes to food insecurity and low income and additional barriers that uh, we'll dive into so it's nice that these community areas exist that someone can go. Some days they're full. I've seen them full and I've seen them bare. Um, but they're able to choose. And um, there's been a couple creators, I guess, is, is what we're calling them these days. Um, that think about things like putting in pet food or putting in uh, food into their fridges because they have those little those connection points and I think those are just like we can do that more um, and we can do it better if, if we were to sort of all come together in that way right these are very small microcosm communities that are doing that if you can do it on a small scale, most of the time you can you can scale up. <laughs> it just takes a little bit of creative thinking and dedication and drive. So, yeah, it's um, something I think about. It's something I worry about uh, personally for myself and for the world as a whole. Like I said, I'm fairly privileged um, which means I have a safety net uh, for the most part that a lot of people don't. Um, but there's there's factors at play that are scary. And uh, come back ne next time I post. 
Um, because I sort of have this series going, I'm hoping to be a little bit more frequent in getting them out. If there's something specific you want me to talk about when it comes to food insecurity, I don't know how many episodes I'll do focused on this, but trying to keep them shorter and more focused for myself and for you. Um, but let me know. You can send me an email, send me a message um, on any of the social medias I have. And I'll do my best. And if you are an expert or this is something that you're passionate about and you have a lot of expertise in or knowledge about um, or something you've experienced and you want to talk about it, reach out and we can we can make that happen too. Because it's this matters. And people nourishing their bodies and getting the basics to survive um, matter. All right, let's end with a breath because I'm finding that coming back to my breath is really helpful lately. So maybe it'll be helpful for you. Take a deep breath in and out. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch, find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can also send an email to this insecure life at gmail.com music by Miss Darlan their song since when thanks for listening if you want to get in touch find us on twitter instagram or facebook you can also send an email to this insecure life at gmail.com music by Miss Darlan their song since when